0: Hello and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast where we discuss and watch Blizzard games because that is our sole purpose in life. We are like machines programmed to do that except we're not machines. Well... Alex and Anne aren't machines, and I'm not telling you too much about myself. Hi, I'm Matt Rossi, and I'm the host, as I usually am, I believe. My programming seems to tell me that's the case. Uh, With me this week are people I've already mentioned. So without further ado, or I don't, uh, we will talk to these people now and ascertain if they are, in fact, humanoid beings who watch Blizzard games. First up, Ann Stickney. Anne, what have you been doing?
1: Beep boop, I am a robot you stole my line (laughs) i was was waiting i was waiting i was hoping we wouldn't have to rock paper scissors over who got to say that i got it first (laughs) so yeah uh i'm sorry what was the question (laughs) what have you been doing what's up
0: how you doing what's going on
1: oh my gosh uh this week has actually been kind of busy um Most of my Warcraft stuff has just been like dinking around into non. I haven't actually been doing much of anything with that uh, because my free time has been spent writing fiction for the heck of it. Because apparently, when I'm not writing, I'm also writing. So that's how that works. Um, That's yeah. I've actually
0: we me and my friend Pete have actually been working on a series of novels for quite some time.
1: Oh, see, I'm just working on like
0: fan fiction for funsies. We're gonna like we're gonna submit it to the this took this is an open submission call we're going to submit to because you know we're finally going to try and get this thing published so there you go that sounds cool. like fun good look yeah hopefully but yeah now since now we've established that Anne is the evil robot in our midst we now get to turn to alex zebart and find out if he is a fleshly being and and i quite frankly i'm i'm not thinking we're going to find out that he's human
2: um no i i'm a hate machine that's yeah what i do uh, I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm more so than WoW over uh, the past week. I just got back yeah, were, into it. And...
0: You were talking about that, actually. Um, weren't you talking about how the, the Barbarian feels more like an Assassin than a Warrior?
2: Yeah, uh, the Warriors are all, I mean, they're various levels of tanky, but Sonya in particular is not very tanky, but she can dish out tons of damage. So I enjoy playing her, but she plays so much more like an Assassin. Like, you get in, you deal tons of damage, you get out before they take you down.
0: Cool. I have not actually gotten to play Heroes lately. So,
2: yeah, that's... I don't know. I just got the itch to play it again and I uh once I was fairly low level at like character levels, but once you hit 10 or something like that, I think you get a free stim pack and stim pack increases gold and XP gains. So mm-hmm. I just went through leveling all the characters to 5 because at 5 you get 500 gold for each of them.
0: Ah, uh, that's why you were saying, "Oh, I got him to 5 and I never have to play him again."
2: Yeah, uh, f- f- like I hate playing Falstad, but I got him to level five because once you get to level five, you get five hundred gold. So yeah. and then you can just buy other characters with the gold. So I'm just yeah. taking advantage of what's on the free rotation.
0: Gotcha. Okay, well that's pretty much what we've discovered is that everybody involved in this podcast, with the possible exception of Adam, are you know robots. Where Blizzard game playing.
1: Oh, Adam's robots. a robot. We know he's a robot already. See, you know, I really am
0: starting to wonder if Adam is merely pretending to be a robot and is, in fact, a filthy human. I think
2: that's a possibility. He's a robot programmed to drink.
1: He does consume an awful lot of white Russians for a robotic entity. That is true.
0: That is very true. Uh, Right now, I I should make a reference to the um, old Star Trek original series episode where Kirk and Spock ended up on the planet full of androids. But I'm not going to, just because I know it would make Adam happy, so I'm not going to do it. This week, they're not going to know who I hate. All right, we should probably talk about the top news stories of the week, and some of that actually involves Blizzard Watch business, so we're going to turn that over to Alex and let him do that talking now so that you guys can be kept up to date on what we are doing at Blizzard Watch.
2: Alex? Sure. uh, Last week, we updated our Patreon benefit list because we have people giving us a whole range of... Donations for like a $1 dollar to a hundred bucks. And we really wanted to give people uh, benefits appropriate to their support. And Goodies. so we still have, yeah, I mean, just, it's just extra stuff. I don't think we, we didn't really take away from the, any of the things people were already getting for the most part. We just added new stuff. Like um, we have uh, at the $5 level, you can do the ads free experience. Uh, at We have a lot more behind the scenes stuff at higher levels at 25 or more per month. We're, sending out physical copies of a Blizzard Watch coloring book, which is going to be all of the art we've commissioned to use on our site, From primarily from Noxie too. We might get other artists in there. We're not sure. But um, you should definitely check it out, uh, patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Uh, your support makes everything possible. So you should look at those things. And we also had a new podcast, Lore Watch. And do you want to talk about that?
1: Lore Watch is a bi-weekly, so it's every other Sunday we're recording an hour's worth of lore chit-chat with myself and Rossi, of course, and also Joe Perez, who a lot of people, he's our shaman columnist, but what a lot of people don't realize is he's like as wrapped up in the lore as Rossi and I are. So having an opportunity to like sit down and jam with him for an hour along with Rossi is pretty fun, actually. Our first episode, we talked about the Twisting Nether and whatnot, and um, how many tinfoil hat theories did we just kind of cobble together over the course of that hour, Rossi? Uh, at this point, there's, there, there was an entire
0: tinfoil suit and I'm pretty sure there was like some tinfoil curtains and yeah. a nice tinfoil couch cover. And, you know, out in the back, someone's making a boat out of tinfoil. So, yeah, it was basically, there was
1: a lot. yeah, watch is kind of like being able to crawl around in our heads for an hour. And it's a very strange and interesting place to be if you're a fan of Warcraft lore at all. So, yeah, our first episode, it. Yesterday, I believe it's Monday, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so yesterday, the uh, first episode of Lore Watch just became available to everybody. It should be available on iTunes now for everybody. Um, Patreon, people who pledge to Patreon get it a week early. So um, yeah. we will be recording our second episode next week. And well, not next Patreon, week, this coming yeah. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, if you're on
0: Patreon, you'll get to hear it almost immediately
1: after. You'll get done. it. You'll get it like approximately two minutes after I hit the stop button on the record thing. Yeah, so
0: if if
2: you're at all interested in just the general behind-the-scenes stuff of how we do what we do, and that is one of the big things we're putting out, if you if you support us, you'll see a lot more of what goes into making this site.
0: So that pretty much covers that, I believe. We've talked about Law Watch, which was one of the things that Adam said he wanted to talk about. So I feel good about that. And we've covered the Patreon stuff. So now we can talk about some just general Blizzard news. One of them is actually a pretty big deal. Uh, we found out this week that Blizzard is going to be having a press conference at Gamscom. And the last time they had a... Is Gamescom or Gamscom? You- Gamescom. Gamescom. Because yeah, it's German and I get confused.
2: You're not right? con. Everybody says game's con and it drives me
0: crazy. It has Com. an
1: M as in Mary, not an N oh. as in Nancy. Natalie? Nancy.
0: Well, and <laughs> that aside, uh, it's Gamescom, this this upcoming Gamescom, Blizzard will have a press conference and not just a booth and contests and so forth. But, and the thing is, is, in 2013, when they did a press conference, they revealed uh, the new Diablo 3 expansion, uh, Reaper of Souls. Now, right now, I, we don't really know what they're going to tell us at this, this press conference. I mean, the whole point of having a press conference is to make an announcement. You don't announce what you're going to announce. That's, you know, just kind of silly. But,
1: oh, the rumors are flying. Yes, you would expect are them
2: to at least hype it up a little bit, though, and they haven't yet, which is
1: strange. Yeah. I
0: don't, uh, it's one of those situations where I sat down and I really thought about it. Like what would what would they be announcing? And like the only things I can think of is either they're going to finally stop being coy and announce a new Diablo three expansion, which they have not done, and they've been like there's been zero hype and there's been zero commentary on whether or not they're going to do one, which I find kind of strange because Reaper of Souls sold really well and did really well. It, it, it got a lot of like even people who didn't like you know Diablo three itself thought Reaper of Souls was a vast improvement. So I'm surprised we haven't heard anything about that. Or the only other thing they could really announce is a WoW expansion. Because they can't announce Overwatch. We we know they've they've announced that. They can't announce Heroes. Again, Heroes is it's announced. They even just
1: announced the first real expansion for it. They can't announce yeah. Hearthstone because they just did that. I you yeah. know, was it a I think it was here. I know one of the podcasts that I was on in the past like month or so, we discussed this possibility. And I said that originally, I didn't think that they would do something like that. But the more I think about it, the more I think that might be a wise deci- decision on their part. Yeah, well, be- Alex has absolutely hyped it from
0: the beginning. I, I
2: feel Well, mean, I wouldn't it, say I've hyped it, but yeah, I've believed since, like, if they actually mean it when they say they want to stick to more regular expansion releases for World of Warcraft they can't just announce it at BlizzCon all the time
1: right well what I was saying was it kind of makes sense from a business angle you go ahead and announce it at Gamescom you don't give a whole lot of details about what's going to be in it you you know you give it the broad overview Right. Right. And the thing is, then you have how many months between Gamescom and BlizzCon, and you can kind of tailor what you're doing at BlizzCon to address all the questions that the community has brought up in the meantime. It's about so it's yeah, more I targeted, you know?
0: I'd say it's and about four months, right? Yeah, about four months. Yeah. So you got four months and to sit there and kind of figure then.
1: out what people want to know most and tailor your BlizzCon around that.
2: Yeah, every now and then you'd get a BlizzCon where. Like uh, like the warlords was gone, you know. Warlords was releasing a, a week after the convention. The World mm-hmm. of Warcraft panels at BlizzCon were terrible. Yeah. They had nothing to say because it had been on the you know, beta realms for what six months already. There was
0: nothing to say. Yeah. The WoW yeah. panels were there
1: wasn't there boring. wasn't much to talk about really.
0: Plus, I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. At the time, we didn't know, but since Ghostcrawler made his announcement, like not long after. It was pretty apparent that they were still readjusting what their teams did, um, so I think that was also part of a problem there. But I honestly, I, I don't I don't see them doing, I don't see how they cannot do a WoW expansion announcement. You know, I, I don't see how it's possible to not do yeah. a WoW expansion and, announcement. And you know,
2: I, I think I've still seen a lot of people, uh, you know, insist you know a World of Warcraft expansion announcement is so big that it can only be a BlizzCon. Well, it's not... I mean, consider how many games Blizzard has going out. If if they save the announcements for every single game... Essentially, BlizzCon is their marketing outlet. Like, that's what it is. Like, for whatever else you go there to do, it's their marketing place. And if they put the big announcement for every single game at BlizzCon, something they announce is going to get overshadowed by something else. And that would be a poor marketing decision. Like, a Hearthstone expansion is going to get crushed underneath, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, you know, plus I mean if you if you look at it, the 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 prevailing wisdom that the WoW expansions are too big not to announce at, at BlizzCon, which I used to hold to, it really comes from the it comes from like six BlizzCons ago when WoW was all they did. Yeah. You know, when when WoW that was, was the big single. thing. Yeah, what else did they really have to talk about? They didn't have StarCraft 2 anywhere near ready to release. They didn't have Diablo... they they started working on Diablo 3 when like in 2008.
1: And then uh, at they least have a, a couple big, of expansions yeah. worth of World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah, they you keep like they didn't have anything for a long time. I mean, World of Warcraft was their deal. Of course they were gonna do it at at BlizzCon, but now Blizzard is the like is up to six seven games, and a couple of which are, are persistently online. You know, it's it's getting to the point where World of Warcraft just has to accept its role as one of Blizzard's games. And if you want to keep people playing it and you want to keep people interested in it, uh, it can't try and be the big dog at every BlizzCon where it's got an announcement because that makes people wait too long. Well, and again,
1: like I said, it makes sense that, I mean, if they want to just drop, okay, so like the trailer that they did for Warlords of Draenor, where they dropped the trailer and it's like, here's what's going to be in the in the expansion, here's the title, here's the features, and maybe talk about them a little bit at Gamescom, but not like super in depth, that still gives you enough information that the community is going to give be giving them feed feedback, like lots of feedback between now and BlizzCon. Oh yeah. So they could take all that feedback and go, okay, what are people asking the most about? What are people the most confused about? Let's go ahead and clarify this. Let's go ahead and we'll tailor our panels around that. That makes sense. And,
2: and the the this is kind of cynical, I think, but the reason I think the press conference is gonna be a World of Warcraft thing is because they haven't given it any kind of hype, they haven't teased anything. And their WoW community team has been terrible this expansion. (laughs) If it was any, like Hearthstone, they were, for weeks, they're building up to something. The only community team right now at Blizzard that I think would not say a word is the World of Warcraft community team because they've been mostly
0: silent for the last year.
1: Which is weird and kind of depressing. It is frankly, I think a lot of this. I mean, I I read an article
0: and I I don't remember who who wrote it today. So if if it was your article, I apologize. Get in touch with me and I'll credit you. Um, But I read an article talking about the difficulty in the, the, the mythical man month and, you know, adding team to a project, any computer project. And one of the things we know happened between mists and warlords, specifically during that like period of drought, was they greatly expanded the size of the WoW team.
1: Yeah, because everybody that was on Titan came over.
0: They greatly expanded the WoW team, and the problem with adding a lot of people is they can't just plug in and go. And uh, they talked, Blizzard talked about this at the time that they were having, you know, they had trouble getting everyone up to speed, inter- uh, you know, up to speed, integrated, knowing the tools they were using. They you have know, to acclimate to it, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I think some the article I read called Warlords a transitional expansion. And I kind of feel like they're right, because what Warlords did really well, Warlords' strengths are stuff like, you know, quest design, zone building, uh, the, the leveling experience. That they did very well. Where Warlords has sort of fallen flat for a lot of players, and uh, I'll finally come out and admit it just because I don't feel like having the argument. I don't feel like defending it. I, I, I feel like Endgame, I like Tanon, but I really feel like we didn't get enough Endgame.
1: Thank you. you know?
0: And it, I, I think it's because I like Tanon that I finally come to that, that opinion. Because I'm looking at Tanon saying, why didn't we have one of these immediately? When I hit level 100, why wasn't this waiting for me? Why did I have to wait for it till patch six point two? Yeah. And why didn't we have two of these? Cause this this should have been there should have been one of these right away. That quite frankly, Farallon should have been at the game at launch and it should have been like Tanon. And then at six point two we should have gotten Tanon. And we should have gotten two of them and Alright, um, um, this one's painful for me because I really don't care all that much about it, but I get why people care about it. The orc guy building your shipyard was the dumbest thing ever for Alliance. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense. make any sense. Why does he? Why do we need this orc? It would have been fine if we needed him because he had like the plans for some super orc dreadnought we needed to stop. But nope. It's just, We need him to tell us how to build a shipyard, but he doesn't know how to work the tools. He doesn't know how to use the
2: tools. He builds in a lion-style shipyard, which clearly we already have people who can do because we've built them before. He
0: doesn't build He doesn't know anything.
2: how to make our
1: ships. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Nothing.
0: I'm sorry. So you basically
1: here's... kind of went out there for no reason.
0: Here's what tools do. This is why this is a dumb statement. Tools do the following things. We have hammers. Those hammer things. Those are fairly hard to screw up. We have saws. Again, those cut things fairly hard to screw up. Do, does the horde, the, the Iron Horde, use some special hexadecimal like screws to screw things in?
1: Because spikes. That's spikes. Like, everything is spikes over there. You use a spike for everything. Like you, you hammer nails with a spike. You just, yeah. you, it's there everywhere.
0: It's just that that when I read that quest text, I bl- I right right over it because I didn't care, but. If you actually stop and think about it, it is the dumbest thing ever, and it could have been so easily just just to have him be the guy we talk to. Why is that hard? There's an orc in my shipyard. If you don't really if you really don't like orcs, don't use the guy in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like like don't even put the quest in there. But if we have to go up there and get that guy, then have him be useful. <sighs> have
1: but him yeah, do that, something.
0: That just that bugs me, and frankly. I'm going to come on to one more thing to complain about, and this, <laughs> this, this is going to get sticking in my craw all week, and I, I really need to talk about this. The more I play with the shipyard, the less I like it.
1: Yeah. I, it. I Somebody asked me in the queue over the weekend uh, what I would do to improve the shipyard if I had like free reign to do so. And honestly, I think what would improve it by leaps and bounds is just make ships come back as damaged instead of destroyed. Like, make it so that you have to repair them and you have to spend resources to repair them before you can send them out again. But don't destroy them. Because the second you destroy them and you blow them up and you see that on your screen, it's so deflating and so demoralizing. It's like, well, what was think, the point of doing this to begin with, really? You guys
0: you guys know Stacey Landry, who's our mage columnist? Yes. She, she, she tweeted today. She's like, there's nothing like seeing your two epic ships that you leveled from, like, you know, green quality. Both destroyed on a mission. Yeah. It's like, I think it's, it's probably... There's nothing fun about that. that. <laughs> for example,
2: one of the things that matters is the ship's crew. If you get, on Alliance, if you get a Worgen crew, the Worgen crew increases XP gain by whatever amount. Okay, that's great, except that's not useful when you have to send epic ships on a difficult mission. The Worgen is wasted when, you could, when you'd rather have, you know, Pandaren for increased mission success chance or a human for increased mission success chance right. if you have a worgen and you're trying to do those hard like epic quests you decommission that ship and it's wasted that yeah, worgen exactly. doesn't help you if you can't swap it out you can't fire those worgen sailors and replace them with humans you have to destroy the ship to make them go away
0: so in other words oh the, the ship that's easiest to level because they get the experience bonus is the worst once you have it leveled Yes. Which is like a mini-game that's just, it's mind-bending. It's like, you're punished for doing what the game has told you you should have done.
1: What's funny as is As soon as you uh, get it done, you're punished. They, they came out with a list of hot fixes this evening. Yeah, my and wife told me. Yeah, well, one of the hotfixes was a uh, level 3 shipyard. When you build a ship in a level sh- 3 shipyard, it's automatically rare. And with a higher chance of being an epic ship. Which isn't... It's It's not the problem. That's not the problem, though. It's not the fact that, you know, it takes forever to get an epic ship. Okay, I will go ahead and say, yeah, sure, it should take some time to get an epic ship. It's when you have that epic ship that you've poured all of this time into, and it's just gone, destroyed, boom, no more. Because that's hours of stupid missions just wasted in an instant. And yeah, I
0: know that you can just build a new ship almost immediately because you have all the resources you need because you're absolutely full of resources. yeah it, that's the point it's not epic then i have to level that new ship even if i get lucky and it is somehow better like i think it, it could just be automatically blue i don't know if it can automatically be epic i think it can yeah be. I think i've had time him, I i've had
1: them automatically come in an epic before
0: even if you get that you still have to do all this work to get it through into a place where it's ready to go where it has all the proper clue component where it has everything you need and then it can just be destroyed again it just—it even if you can argue that it's not really that big a deal, and I get your point, it really isn't. It feels like a big deal. It feels like you just like wh- it, literally like you want to throw your hands up and go, "I'm not doing this. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time on this." And I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm speaking as a guy who has gotten multiple um, Hellfire Citadel caches from the shipyard. I've gotten like three yeah. things that were useful out of that. And I'm not using it. That's like, you you can't bribe me into doing this. So I I think what
2: adds insult to injury is, with the shipyard, they let you rename your ships. Uh I renamed one (laughs) and had it immediately get destroyed. I was like, no, I'm not living with this heartbreak. I'm not naming them. I don't care if they're named, like, you know, poop pile... Whatever, like if that's the name they give me, that's what it's keeping because I'm not getting attached. A good
0: ship, poop pile. I can think of one ship you'd rename if it was like Malfurion's, like Malfurion's Joy or something, you'd rename it so fast. No, I wouldn't because it's going to get destroyed. I'll be happier what if I don't rename it. Deliberately
1: send it somewhere <laughs> so that it would get destroyed. Two weeks later, Alex is like, Why are you still here, Malfurion? <laughs> Why are you epic now? Why do you only succeed? So to roll it back to the whole Gamescom thing, I think the thing that I'm kind of like... How do I phrase this? Let's see. Okay. So maybe we'll see a, a World of Warcraft expansion announcement at Gamescom. This is great. That's cool. That means that they'd be rolling out the expansions faster. The thing that's bothering me right now, I have no idea what this expansion is going to be. I have no clue. And this is the first time in playing World of Warcraft that I haven't had at least some kind of inkling, glimmer, hint, idea, thought about where it could actually go. And it's not because they've hidden this information. It's not because they're being clever about it. It's because we have no information to work with because the story in Warlords of Draenor has been so monumentally poor that I have nothing to go off of. See I actually I don't know where the story I down- is going because I don't really, I, since I've hit level 100, I barely have any sort of idea of where the story is at right now.
0: See, I would argue at least that, well, I sat down today and wrote, when I wrote KYL for today, one of the things I was thinking about actually is where are we going next? What's the next expansion? It just so happened to tie in that they're, you know, we're talking, we're thinking about them doing an announcement. I wasn't thinking about it at the time. I actually sat down and thought about it and I I have a couple of ideas, but I have no idea how much
1: of this is just me. All of it. You know what I mean? Do you know how much they've given us to work with? They've given us nothing to work with. The only thing that we have to work with right now is, oh, Gul'dan is still somewhere on the loose. So probably next expansion we're going to have to deal with him again because they're going to bring him back. But how they do that, in what context, who they bring in, no idea. Why? Because they've given us nothing. They've given us nothing. And I'm so disappointed with this expansion right now. I'm ready for it to be over. Okay, ready, I, I, absolutely ready for it to be over There's there's, there's some clues
0: inside the, the new raid There's stuff like when uh, Khadgar asks us to get Gul'dan's skull for reasons and things like that But I'll agree that it certainly isn't as direct as we've seen in the past It's, it's so
1: clumsily handled this time around Where are all of the writers that were working on Missa Pandaria? Where are they? What basement are they locked in? And can we let them out, please?
0: With that note, <laughs> I believe we've answered the Gamescom announcement so I guess we'll move on to some emails because that's what we do here at the show let's do that uh, <laughs> um, if, as always if you have an email please send it to the podcast at blizzardwatch.com all one word for Blizzard Watch, and uh, we'll do our best to answer them we don't answer everything but we try and answer as well as we can I think because of the lore show we got a ton of lore emails uh, so that's good and all but please don't feel afraid to ask questions that aren't about lore we would like to talk please. about them too yeah. we've got an entire lore podcast
1: now we, we don't uh, so. need lore questions here so much. You could, like, you know, yeah. chuck them that but direction.
0: I will, you know, we will still answer them because, you know, we're good people. Well, or robots. We're good robots. We're very good robots. Um, this first one uh, doesn't seem to have a name, so we'll just read the email. In Shadowmoon Valley of Outland, the spirits of dead Arakoa are trying to summon an old god. However, one tinfoil idea I had is that well, what if they were trying to give birth to an old god? The flesh beasts in Carazon were summoned from the nightmare of Medivh's dreams and dreams are often associated with being, with being chaos. Could it be the desperate Arakoa trying to conjure forth collective nightmares that end up taking shape of an old god and thus old gods are beyond death due to as long as wow, this is hard to read, due to as long as people dream that they could always come back? Um, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure what you're asking me. Uh, if you're asking me if if it was a dream, well, I don't think it was because we have a specific night old god type thing that's causing nightmares in the Emerald Dream of,
1: of Azeroth, at least. Nazoth. supposedly. Yeah, so the one who we the... heard about right before Cataclysm came out and then never heard anything about ever again. Well, uh, we kind of heard it when we were doing the raid yeah i, remember, I think I, knew- I think somebody like one of one of one or the other of the tentacle dudes kind of said something about his yeah
0: they, he basically mentions him before we kill him,
1: yeah, and that but was it,
0: <laughs> as far as flesh beings in Karazon, remember we saw flesh beasts before they weren't just in Karazon. they're actually in the, the Draenei starting zone. those are things created by the twisting nether, yeah, exposure to the energies in the nether creates flesh beasts that does beg the question of like is there a connection between the old gods and the nether? Because when you go to Architraz, Harbinger Skyrus says straight up that the old gods are everywhere and they're more numerous than the stars and even the Legion can't defeat them. Uh, I believe the exact line is, no force in the universe uh, can ma- make us bend our knee, not even the mighty Legion. So there are there's a connection between old gods and the nether of some kind and we don't know what it is,
1: but they are Uh, most definitely not working with the burning legion in any capacity.
0: Absolutely not. They, they do not like those guys. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like the difference between like the, 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 burning legion is basically like super fascists. They, they just, they're not just fascists. They want entropy. They want order on a cosmic scale. And the only order they can conceive of is destruction Everything will be dead, and then that it'll be fine. Once everything's dead, we're good. They're kind of like Kefka from Final Fantasy. Well, they assimilate the ones they like. Yeah, but only to use them to destroy everything else. And continue uh, assimilating. Yeah, but again, the ultimate goal is to destroy everything.
1: It's a very the, the destructive prob- Borg entity.
0: Being joined into the Legion, ultimately, you're basically saying, I want a G in your team, so you'll kill me last. Which, I, you know, great, but... It's, it's again, it, they do kind of have that sort of Kefka-esque insanity. You know how final, every, almost every Final Fantasy end boss is like, all life is, is suffering and everything must be destroyed. That, that's the Legion. They're really like that. That's what they want to do. The old gods are like, no, man, life is awesome. Look what you can do to it. I gave this <laughs> one tentacles for a head. This one, I have tentacles coming out of its feet. I don't even know what I did to this one. I think I jammed three of them together. It's just, this is awesome. Now this fire guy is going to punch this water guy for my amusement. Why are you trying to stop me? I just want everything to be fun. So, you know, the the old gods are at least kind of like playful in their complete insanity and madness and destruction of all things. Whereas the the Legion are like total buzzkills. They just, you know, everything must be destroyed. There's no purpose to creation. Everything must be destroyed. No, man, I'm telling you, we can totally
1: stick tentacles on everything. Everything can have tentacles. And then we'll pit it all against each other and watch it fight. I want to watch it because mean, that'd Legion, be awesome. I, the Legion
2: and the Old Gods really team up and give us things with tentacles that are on green fire.
1: <laughs> Flaming green tentacles.
2: I'd really enjoy that.
0: This is a nice change from the normal green fire. The way it
1: writhes. Yeah, you know, I really. I'm glad we teamed up. Flaming Everything green tentacles to... sounds like a new Cheeto flavor or something. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Doritos, gamer
0: fuel, <laughs> <eat mechanical. laughs> All right. So yeah, to answer your question, nah, I don't think that they're trying to conjure forth from the collective nightmares uh, because I think the old gods already are that kind of thing. Like that they they're they're worse than that. They're the kind of things that give nightmares nightmares. So yeah, that's basically what I think there. But interesting thought. Uh, the next one is very long, but it's from Element Elementi. Element or elementi I don't know how you put an extra E on the Element-ay. end.
1: Elemente Elementy.
0: I like that. A lady orc shaman from Archimonde US. Uh, greetings, Blizzard Watch. I wish Blizzard would make the decision to turn the story into a viable endgame content. Do you think this could ever be a possibility? Uh, I, I guess. All the bits and pieces for this are actually in place. All you need to do is bring them together under a, logistical, a logical project progression system with appropriate rewards. There was an attempt at this in Mr. Pandaria with the Lore Walkers, but nothing this time around. Possible progression styles, uh, timed lore quizzes, as in in-game version of the trivia, Pursuit, uh, Timeless Isle, Stonetown, Mountains, NPCs. Uh, MOP style places for lore collections, e.g. a library as a garrison building and Warlords with artifact crates as work orders rewards. Uh, lore factions, the Explorers League and the Reliquary as cross-expansion spanning factions, sending us on lore missions all over as Siroth and beyond. Uh, 4. Mystery Solving verifying stories and legends of various races gathering clues tracking npcs ethnographic disguise missions northrend murlocs perhaps even enemy interrogation for lore info uh this is what i imagined when archaeology was first announced uh rewards achievements and titles items toys pets mounts and some gold uh, More lore, new stories, clarifications, filling the plot slash lore holes, and updates to what has been happening in the non-current storylines. Four, the ability to unlock player favorite quest chains from previous expansions, making them repeatable. Thoughts, love your show, Elemente. Uh, I I do think that we did have a lot more of that kind of thing in Mists. I think it's indisputable. Um, The Lore Walkers really gave us... Um, one of the things that comes to mind, actually, is part of part of it was from the legendary quest chain. But when you go to the very end of the legendary quest chain, and you got that moment where, like, he tells your story to you, I still love that. I think that was one of the best things they did, and it was both. It was a, um, I forget who it was besides Rathian. Was it Chen? It wasn't Cho? Chen. It was Cho? It was Laura Walker, Walker Cho? Cho. And the two of them basically disputed you, like the, the, you're standing right there as they go back and forth on whether you're a destroyer or a preserver. And that was great because I'm like, uh, guys, I'm right here. You're like, you know, I I know what I did. I I done screwed up the Jade Forest right good. Didn't you notice? That place is wrecked. Like, man, that that place is bad. Although I admit, I've topped myself with the veil. Oh my yeah, of the veil. That's a masterpiece of Do me you guys. Remember everybody.
1: when there used to be trees here?
0: <laughs> Not after I get that done.
1: was cool, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: so I, I honestly think like a lot of that, there was a lot of that stuff. Um, they did the thing is, is this is a real example to my mind of why we need scenarios like a lot more scenarios.
1: I think uh, scenarios could be used as like story progression tools. I don't see yeah. any reason why they couldn't be. Um, well, look at like what they did with Siege
0: where before we got to Siege, there was that goblin scenario, yeah, at the same time. And it basically, if you wanted to know how, what did Garage find? How did he find it? Well, here's what the scenario. What was that thing in the box in the trailer? Yeah, here's the scenario where it's it's entirely your fault. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's like you know, if you played Horde, at least it made sense. You know, sure, oh yeah, we did that. Played Alliance, it was one of those scenarios where you got to see what happened, but you wasn't really you, which I liked because as an Alliance player, I could not come up with a way I would have given Garage a big giant evil heart, not even for Valentine's Day. They, they don't have... It. Yeah, they have Valentine's Day. They,
2: um... They have, love is in the air. Love is in the air with that creepy goblin.
1: I... Okay, Elemente, I like the cut of your jib as far as the whole, hey, let's make story into an endgame content kind of thing. However... What you have to kind of look at and you have to realize is that there's a very small team working on this kind of stuff like putting the story together and writing it all down and you know forming it into what it is and as far as Endgame is concerned it's a lot easier for a team to get together and go okay let's design a boss that 25 people can come in and punch and it'll give them good things
0: and we'll we'll go uh, ahead and
1: do a strategy and all this than it is to go okay we need to come up with an endgame expansion's worth amount of written material that's all new.
2: I think the definition of endgame we're, we're using here might be a little looser. Like, this yeah. just had level 100 stuff. It wasn't, like, the high level 90. Stuff. It's about stuff. Yeah, 90. But yeah. when you got to the level cap, you, you would still go around the world collecting these scrolls.
1: Yeah, you could do all of that. archaeology and
2: getting... And getting more out of archaeology through Cho and all that stuff. And, and
1: I'd like to see more of that, but, you know, when you And you're because we have about, these things,
2: we know we have the tools. Like, we know they can do it, and they have done it. It would just like them to continue doing it.
1: I would like to see them continue doing it, but again, I think it's more of a matter of manpower, because you have to... Number one, you had to come up with the ideas of all of this stuff and go, okay, so let's go ahead and say, oh, you know, you're talking about northern murlocs, that kind of thing, exploring that sort of stuff. You have to, like, come up with what that is. You have to hammer it out. You have to fit it into the story as it stands. You have to run it by people and make sure that it actually does make sense. And everybody has to kind of come to a consensus and agree that, yeah, this is what we're going to go with. We're not going to retcon this next expansion. So it's like There's a lot more work involved Than you would think in doing stuff like this And do I want to see more Lorewalker stuff? Absolutely Do I want to see more scroll collections and things like that? Absolutely Do I think it would be like viable to make a complete Endgame experience out of nothing but that? Not unless they hired A fleet of writers to help them out
2: I don't think it needs to be nothing but that They just need to have some of it
1: Yeah. Uh, we well, haven't course, had, even I mean, had
2: a little of it now
0: one of the things that we really had in uh, Mists that we didn't really have in Warlords 2 is that we had lore coming in from all sorts of directions. Like yeah. The 5.2, uh, or is it 5.1? Whichever the. Uh, 5.1. The shield wall. Yeah, the Operation shield, shield offensive.
1: Wall and uh, Dominance Offensive. Yeah. That those was guys 1. basically,
0: by doing those quests the way they did, you know, Ugh. you got to see stuff that was setting up the, the next couple of raids.
1: This and is and that's the, the kind of that stuff w- that's just been sorely missing in Warlords. Yeah. Miss really
0: needed setup, and it had it. It had set up for both Throne of Thunder and for Siege of Morgamart. It made sense that we went up to Throne of Thunder, even in the face of Garage, because we had to stop that guy. It made sense that we had to stop that guy, because if he had his way, Garage wouldn't even be a footnote. No. He was going to do some crazy stuff, and we had to stop him. But once we did stop and we kind of handed Garrosh all this stuff that we really shouldn't have been handing him, uh, and it was really fascinating to see how it all dovetailed, and just like stuff like the anima from Throne of Thunder, which really you know and didn't get in. used, yeah, rod in which didn't even really get used yet, but it set up so much stuff. There was a ton of setup in, in this. Problem with Warlords is I, I disagree with you that they haven't done any story, but I agree with you that the way they've done it, it is almost impossible to filter out what is really like. I I wrote this the other day about Gul'dan. My biggest problem with Gul'dan is I don't get what he's doing. Like, stuff he does during the garrison campaign implies that he just wants to destroy Draenor. Just wants to destroy it. Yeah. It's like, um, isn't this the place you're summoning your your evil boss guy to as prelude to an invasion? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on in that raid that I just did. So you... You're not doing that. Oh, I find another way to make the world burn. Why do you want it to burn? You want to burn that other world. This world is the one you're on all your stuff's here. You used to really be into your own stuff like that was your deal was that you that you cared about you
1: and do, your do stuff you not- and you wanted to add more stuff to the stuff that you already had. And now you're yes. just saying Torch it all. Where's that coming from?
0: Yeah. Where are we going with this? Like, do you have a plan, man? Like I this is my problem with like. With new Gul'dan, is he? He's like, he's a step behind old Gul'dan in terms of actual planning. That dude planned. This dude does not seem to plan very much. His plans all involve, like, I don't know, like, who? Oh, yep, yeah, it, it worked. You've become a horrible monstrosity that I will store. And it, it was like, Wait, really, that was your plan for Gorfine? That he turn into this? Because I gotta tell you, I'm not seeing the benefit to you that now Gul'dan... Like, Gorfiend, is now a 7,000-pound stomach with teeth.
2: It's <laughs> super silly. Like, Gorfiend used to be, like, sinister and menacing and terrible. And this new thing's like, you're made out of Play-Doh.
0: Cute. And you swallow like, just, things. Like At you. least Kilrog. Kilrog is still scary. Yeah. You are... What are you, man? Like, I spent <laughs> half my time, like, just looking at you going, really? I... So like, there's like there is some good stuff in this raid as a raid just you know experiencing it there's some really good stuff there's some interesting story stuff in too like when when you get up to like the zacharoon I think his name is a zacharoon whatever the, the 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 new kind of pit lord type dude he's like a, a dreadnought whatever yeah. he's, a, he's a demon he, he's got some good dialogue with with Gramash and it, it's actually like it even sets up that fight and then the other fight like when you actually look at the Archimonde fight, it sets up why Grom thinks they are all on the same team now.
2: It's, I have I, yeah, to in- no, uh, no, go ahead. I have to interrupt because Fizzle just said this in the Twitch chat, and it, he got it exactly right. I couldn't think of what Gorefiend reminded me of. Gorefiend is Oogie Boogie.
1: Yes. From That's Nightmare who he before is. Christmas. Nightmare Before yes. Christmas. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that
2: That's was very exactly. important
0: to say. Okay. I I I don't know who that is but <gasps> cool you should see nightmare before christmas i've seen it's it i just don't remember a movie. Oh, okay. it's been like years since i saw the movie but here's the
2: ghost guy full of spiders
0: gotcha yeah, yeah that makes sense for gorfine when
1: the one that kidnapped but, the sandy claws
0: that's the problem with like a lot of this stuff and i think it's a problem with story in general and warlords is that they put they set up all the same kind of raid content they always do but they didn't set up that really interesting framework that in mist drove you to the raids and and then inf- informed you as to what was going on. They, they, put,
1: in, they put in all of these individual little lore pockets here and there and they didn't put in any sort of tying unifying thread to lead you from point A to point B to point C. And I'm sorry, but when I'm lost, like me, when I'm lost, you've got a big problem. Because I'm the one that pulls threads out of nowhere and makes it all work. And I can't make all of this work. It's ridiculous.
2: The, the item for this question actually that resonated with me was updates to what's been happening in the non-current storylines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that I really, really enjoy. Like when the story, like, okay, the focus of Warlords is Draenor, this alternate universe. But I also really love get, just getting small updates to what has happened to places we've been. Like when Sunwell for the Quel'Delar quest chain. Like yeah, it seems we have we, talked about
0: that before. That right. Quell-de-Lar, the Quel'Delar quest did that extremely well, yeah, and then Nicholas Cho you would know.
1: like send me a you know a letter or something and let me know what how how all the tree planting was going on, in the Vale. They could have
0: they could have done that so
1: easily too in
0: the middle of the uh, legendary quest chain. There could easily have been a, a summons from Cho. And he, like, says, you know, we don't know how we know this, but here's a magical thing from Pandaria. And meanwhile, you get to see the veil half-rebuilt.
1: Yeah, where they're, like, you putting know? it back together again. That'd be nice. Yeah.
0: I still think that they're, if they're smart, I they mean, will I never don't, have us back. In don't Pandaria get me again.
1: wrong. I'm not saying that, like, any of these ideas are particularly bad or anything like that. I just, when, when somebody says, make this endgame content... When I hear end game content, I equate that with make this as significant and impactful as a raid would be. And you can't yeah. quite do that. Do I want them to incorporate more of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? That's what I've been saying all podcast. is.
2: I, we I need more
1: story stuff, you know?
2: I want to see a Westfall that isn't as horrifically depressing as it was in Cataclysm.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Just give me a little update. update.
2: Has anything improved in this horrible (laughs) Are
1: the orphans still mugging people? (laughs) That would actually, you know,
0: it's been long enough since Cataclysm, and it's been long enough in total that it would be nice if, like, we actually got the sense that finally Varian is doing something right and Stormwind's kingdom, because all those other zones are part of the kingdom of Stormwind, was actually somewhat united now, and it was actually taking care of business for once.
1: That'd be great. Because they
0: haven't they haven't been taking care of business for eleven years. It's been a very eleven years. And I mean Farian's
1: been gone for a while, we know that. And also he was dog boy for a while and we know that. (laughs) but dog boy i shouldn't say that but anyway he was he was gladiator ug ug varian for a while there and then there was the other varian that was like snooty varian and wasn't really being effective at anything and this was all in the comic series and not in the actual game itself in the game he just appeared he appeared right at the beginning of wrath of the lich king and then promptly did a whole heck of a lot of nothing yeah and
2: you know I'm not saying they should redo the whole world again. It just no, it's like hey no. let's let's revisit Westfall for one quest and oh, look, people have houses now, you know they
0: didn't they did an instance quest for the Quell de Lar storyline where you got to go to the Sunwell and it was different and th- they didn't change you know the island of Quell,
2: you know, it would well be cool the terrain like if you was, the terrain was pretty much the same. They just moved NPCs and had, gave them their yeah.
1: Yeah. dialogue. So, it would be cool if we just got like little updates here and there.
0: People aren't standing around outside, you know, Sentinel Hill trying to burn it down because they haven't had food in months the, anymore. The place
1: isn't on fire anymore. That would be great.
0: Yeah, I, that's <laughs> like one of those weird things when you fly through uh, Dragonblight and people are still screaming as you like go by that one flight point. Because it's if, awful. You,
1: you do... It's just that one area, too. You yeah. fly over it and all of a sudden there's, like, screams.
0: Yeah, but all right, we should move on to another email because it's getting late in the show and we've covered this one email. Um two? <laughs> Actually, we did two, but yeah. The next one is from Tikangia. Thank you so much, Tikanjia. I love you. I love you for pronouncing... Give me a pronunciation guide. Thank you. Hello, watchers. As I was listening to your description of the Twisting Nether, it brought to mind another question. How vast is the Emerald Dream? Is it another wide dimension that also touches regions of space, or is it also only limited to our physical Azeroth? Can druids and alternate Draenor, for example, reach the Emerald Dream if they activated their hibernation, however <sighs> they get there? Uh, Tikanjia. Well, from what little we actually really know about the, the Emerald Dream is, it is like an exact copy of Azeroth the way it was before.
1: It's, it's okay, so the Emerald Dream is basically, it's another plane of existence. It's like, you know, you've got the material plane where all the physical stuff is at. The Twisting Nether is its own plane of existence. The Emerald Dream is also a plane of existence. And the Emerald Dream is basically, it is a backup copy of Azeroth. It is Azeroth before we started touching it, playing with it. It's pre-sundering Azeroth, so it's just one big continent of Kalimdor, but it's all encompassed on Azeroth. The Emerald Dream, as far as we know, it does not exist on other worlds, as far as it's, we know.
0: It's theoretically possible that Draenor has an Emerald Dream of its own with it its might. You know, backup Draenor, because we look. We know the Titans made Draenor.
1: Either, um. either. Dranor has the Emerald Dream and it has an Emerald Dream there or the Botani are Dranor's version of the Emerald Dream because yeah, they're constantly seems... trying to restore everything to its primordial roots. Which it seems is... likely that
0: they actually have one though because
1: Druid stuff seems to work just fine there. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it, that it, it couldn't potentially have one. I'm just saying that the Batani seem to be rather aggressive about getting the planet back to that whole primordial jungle type thing. Like, to the it's, point where civilization is kind of offensive to them. And
2: they're trying I mean, to I dismantle I it. A, I kind of had a little trouble with that little story. Because they had the Batani. Right. And they were clashing with the rock guys. So the Batani were trying to make it plant. The rock guys is trying to make it rocks. I mean, what's what's their motivation here?
0: The rock guys basically want to return it to literally nothingness, just Too barren, rockiness. They want it to be like a completely like elemental place where there's no life except them, and the. the so it's funny what you actually have is almost like if you went, if you think about it, on Azeroth we have the Emerald Dream as a backup copy of Azeroth. That's like your save point, your save state, but we also have the re-origination devices. That will take the planet back down to nothing. Yes. Like you can, you can try to reset the planet, or you can go back to step one.
1: Well, what I'm wondering is it, it, like, the, okay, the so
0: the Primordials, look like they're doing that exact same thing, but against each other.
1: What I'm wondering is with well, the re, like... re, with the reorigination devices, right? Uh-huh. Do those blow up the planet and start from square one or do they blow up the planet and then reshape it using the Emerald Dream as a template?
2: Well, it seems to me like it's the Emerald Dream is reset to backup and reordination is reinstall.
0: Okay. that's that's actually, If you think about it, though, that's interesting because what if Draenor doesn't actually have... A separate emerald dream that's another plane of existence. What if it's it, like you were just saying the Batani are its emerald dream? What if Draenor just never got separated? What if it just has that?
1: Yeah, where like, like the Batani are acting as that backup defense system, only something's happened to them and they're trying to actively do it, even though there's no or, reason to be doing it,
0: you know, because both originate because both backup and re origination were activated. Ooh. If you turn, if this planet is literally trying to re originate itself, and that's why it's so hard to live on it. Because that's why it's so the time, savage. Yes. <laughs> the, pla- the plants are trying to kill you constantly because they want to turn everything back to mulch. The rocks are trying to kill you constantly because they want to turn everything to rock. And you're stuck in the middle, just trying to keep going. And that would explain why they have all those Magnaron control devices.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting.
0: So clearly Titan technology. Yeah, Um.
1: absolutely. Titan technology. So as far as the Emerald Dream goes, it's it's the Emerald Dream is very much it's an Azeroth entity. It's an Azeroth plane of existence. Um, We haven't been told that it exists elsewhere or that it's actually on other worlds. The interesting thing about our Emerald Dream is that it began to be corrupted by the old gods they got into it how they got into it don't know but the novel Stormrage talks about that and how they fought back the corruption of the old gods and it's all kind of contained in the rift of Alm now it's contained it has not been destroyed so there's still one section of the emerald dream that's glitchy which is interesting
0: that's interesting too for another reason because The Emerald Dream is not the only such plane that is Azeroth-specific. No. The Elemental planes are all specific to Azeroth. Yeah, they were created by the Titans. Again, we have a situation where the Elementals on Draenor are just there. They're just on Draenor. They're not on a separate plane. So it it makes you wonder if Azeroth is like this unique... We've been told Azeroth is unique. Maybe it's unique because when the Titans made it, they made all these planes and separated them off from it. Possibly. Uh, man we should definitely but have this is about...
1: all like lore cast stuff and yeah, yeah we should move on
2: please send us questions that aren't about lore <laughs> i'm begging <laughs> alex you alex
1: is like
0: right.
2: I, I want to contribute to, you. to this podcast
0: <laughs> he really does all right well i guess that's basically probably all we have time for the uh we didn't talk about that
1: one last little bit of news though
0: okay let's talk about it
1: well hearthstone announced a new expansion the grand tournament that's correct, we, they did. And we didn't, we didn't talk, talk about that at all. Grand Tournament look actually looks pretty interesting because it seems to be kind of um, thematically sort of tuned around the idea of hero power, which I think is yeah, really neat.
2: I, I think the, the description was, um, it's in the Hearthstone version of Azeroth after the Argent Tournament, they're like, hey, this is a really good idea. Let's hold the Grand Tournament regularly. And a bunch of wackos showed up to participate. because And said, course. we
1: brought cards.
2: <laughs> yeah and um and so the focus is on more heroes more so than the minions in the set so uh there are things like cards which let you use your min- uh, your hero power more often or empower your hero power or they have inspire We're... which causes something to happen when you use your hero power
1: yeah inspire is actually pretty cool it's like a new um it's a new power word or whatever that they put on the cards and Inspire activates when you use your hero power, and then all of these other cards affect how you use your hero power. I it just I, I really like how it seems to hook together. And um, they had a couple of test matches after the announcement, and we were watching the test matches. And as I'm watching the test matches, I'm sitting here going, oh man, this expansion, it's like not just about beating your opponent, it's about being as flashy as possible. When you beat your opponent, which is pretty much what a tournament is all about. So it kind of, it, it just, it really resonated with well, me. Hey,
2: it was also like the pro players that were on stream were playing with these cards for the first time and wanted to maximize the was use cool. of them. So they were doing things that weren't necessarily the best choice, but they were doing it just because, like, hey, these are new. Let's show it off. Let's
0: do something. Wasn't there one card? Here. I, I seem to recall you and Dan talking about one particular card that had an unusual power. Do you remember uh, what that, that was?
2: Was that today?
0: Yes, it was today.
2: Uh, let's see. I can look up the card real quick. Okay, I okay, got looking, it. You um, should look it up. Yeah, it was uh, the Colosseum Manager, which uh, its effect is inspire, return this minion to your hand. So whenever you use your hero power, you have to put it back in your hand, which is weird because it doesn't do anything particularly good that you'd want to keep playing it. But it's it's almost kind of a, a drawback because it has really good stats for its mana cost. It's three mana, has only two attack power, but five health, and that's a ton of health for three mana. So uh, it's kind of the inspire on that card is kind of a punishment because you get a really strong body on the field really early in the game.
1: That's really weird. Yeah. That it would return it to your hand like that.
2: But um, it's kind of like um, what was it, puppy chow or something? It's. It's um it's a zombie that from the knack set that you can play it really early in the game and has really good stats, like really good stats for that early in the game, but when it dies you heal your opponent for five. Ooh. So it's but it's worth it just to have that meaty body on the field to deal with opposing minions, even if in the end it's gonna heal your opponent.
1: I have a question and maybe it's because I haven't played Hearthstone enough. Actually, I've never encountered a card like this that does this before. Um if you have a minion and that minion has been damaged like say you've got a minion with 5 health and they've been damaged yes. for 2 so they only have 3 health remaining, right? Mm-hmm. If it's returned to your hand, does it get all its health back? Yes. Ah. Oh. Okay. So you uh, have a perpetually and- immortal minion, but every time you use your hero power.
2: Yeah, it, but I mean it, it reaches a point where is it going to be valuable to play a 3 no. minion to attack? No,
1: yeah. It's
2: really great early game. It won't be so great late game. That's uh, still kind of cool though. (laughs) Yeah, this set also does things like you can tell some of them are direct reactions to how people are playing the game right now.
1: Yeah.
2: Like uh, hunters, hunter decks don't use a lot of spells really. Uh, They're mostly just rush minions, and they don't have a lot of card draw either. So you have things like lock and load, which is a new spell for two mana. each time you cast a spell this turn add a random hunter card to your hand. So it encourages hunters to use more spells, and it also gets them more cards. So it's almost a direct reaction to how hunters are playing in the game right now.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, there we go. New announcement, uh, new expansion for Hearthstone. It's based on the uh, Argent Tournament, which is one of the weirdest things to do (laughs) I've ever heard. But hey, if it works... (laughs) Uh, so that's pretty much the show. Uh, Alex, you usually um, close off by telling us about Patreon, so you want to do that now?
2: Uh, we kind of did that earlier in the show, but I'll do it again. Um, this podcast and everything we do on blizzardwatch.com is supported by the community. If you would like to support us, you can do so on patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. We have our whole new suite of supporter benefits so you can go through, decide what level of support you'd like to give, and hopefully get something awesome. If uh, I think... The thing that's excited people most, I think, is the physical coloring book at 25 a month. I mean, I understand that's steep, but you're getting a coloring book, which is pretty awesome.
0: All right. Uh, again, if you want to send an email to us, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You know, feel free to talk about stuff that's not lore. We love lore questions, but we have a whole podcast for lore now we'd like to try and uh, get some non-lore stuff into. Otherwise, we just end up talking about you know why we don't like shipyards for 20 minutes. So. <laughs>
1: Ask us about Lost Vikings.
0: <laughs> All right. This is the uh, Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. This is Ann and Alex. Uh, good night, everybody.